Hello, welcome to episode 128 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast starring me, Stephen Hill, and featuring him, Renfrey Deadman. Hello, mate. How are you doing? There it is. Starring and featuring Straight again. away. Back to this. I know. Uh, I'm all but, right. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm pretty good. I've got a shop-bought coffee Looks in my yeah, hand. In a lovely polystyrene cup? Well, cardboardy cup, black cup. Yeah, I think some sort of cardboard polystyrene synthetic mashup. <laughs> excellent how's the coffee going down this morning it's quite nice actually it's quite nice to not be making yourself a coffee so obviously all the coffee shops around my local area have shut but then i've realized my local bakery does coffee and so i've decided to invest in one of those every day for or the ba- next few days room free baked goods are an essential item obviously so well, that they, makes they, they are for me definitely <laughs> You were just saying that you've lost shit loads of weight though before we started. I've lost nearly, I've lost about twenty pounds <clears throat> yeah. since, or, and over Christmas as well. Yeah, won't stop. A lot of that, it. like, well, <laughs> two <laughs> tweets I did. I did two tweets about it. Ultimately, though, <coughs> it's not about me and my impressive uh, weight loss over the last month or so. It's about the music that we're going to be talking about on this week's show. We're going to be reviewing the latest music, kind of snaffling up the little crumbs of music we missed in two thousand and twenty for the last time and reviewing a bit of new music as well talking about the new album from smashing pumpkins vordruna viagra boys and lonely the brave and we also want to say as always a very big thank you to our friends at signature brew those are the guys they are the chaps they are the fellas they sent me a box of beer that arrived yesterday i'm gonna wait until the end of this month maybe going into the first week of february before i hit on the 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 actual alcoholic ones Mm-hmm. But I think I might give a little go to the the alcohol-free version that they sent me. I actually before went before time. I actually went in pretty hard on my box, but it probably will surprise you or not surprise you to learn that the low no alcohol ones have not been touched as of yet. Um but I did get the uh the black metal beer that they do which yes. is called Nocturne. Mm-hmm. Nocturne. Black IPA comes out Ooh. black in the old um glass or oh, tasted yeah. absolutely divine divine that's, that's a bit of me i can imagine i know gal's more of a wine drinker than a beer drinker as far as i'm aware but i would have i reckon gal could neck a nocturne gal could neck a nocturne <laughs> that sounds like something you'd say over and over again at drama school <laughs> satan <laughs> Uh, yeah, go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and you can order yourself all of those beers that we've just been chatting about. You might even get this. Look what I got. Look who's on the front of their promotional leaflet. It's only ha- Hag- Haggard Matt. Matt Reynolds from Haggard Cat on the front of the Signature Brew leaflet, which has all of their beers inside. He's their so, sex appeal, hey, isn't he? <laughs> He's their Pamela Oh, Anderson. dear. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that makes... I don't know what that makes us. But anyway, um, <laughs> that is just proof that the guys at Signature Brew are well up to date and good with their music. Good with their music. They brew beers with like some Mastodon Idols, Slave, Sports Team, Mogwai, Frank Turner, Enet Shikari, Jamie Lenman, The Darkness, and more over the years. As I said, go to signaturebrew.co.uk, check out their website. If you want to buy something, and I'm very, very, very sure that you will, you can use the code RIOTACT in the checkout and you'll get 10% off wowzers what a deal what a bloody deal what a deal 
What a deal. Uh, also, if you go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash podcast, then you can sign up for exclusive content. Many, many, many pieces. Doing Lieutenant Lissard on uh, Police Academy. There are many, many, many. <laughs> um, God, that's niche, out, isn't it? But not receiving a blowjob under the uh, commissioner's podium. No, no. I'm not under the commissioner's podium. So I'm receiving it somewhere. What? No. <laughs> what? Uh, God, that, only about three percent of people who listen to this are even going to get that. But there we go. I think even three percent. Look, <laughs> all you youngins, Police Academy is now on Netflix. So you have no excuse to not, not know what we're talking you about. You are not recommending Police Academy, are you? One through seven. <laughs> not one through seven. No. <laughs> one to four. One to four. You go quite late. One to four. I'd say anything with Steve Gutenberg in. <laughs> right, you're very kind <laughs> anything very with kind. mahoney with mahoney i think you can you can say is like that's the <clears throat> that's the good stuff but he's got to has got sharon stone in it does as yeah. well yeah 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 i mean that's not really enough to make it a good film but no it's interesting to see sharon stone before she was an a-list superstar the first one's got kim cattrall in it mm. Mm. i like kim cattrall oh right i didn't know yeah. that okay yeah. She's she's very nice. She seems nice enough. Yeah. yeah. I like her. She's not coming back uh, to Sex in the City. You upset about that? I know. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> she's too good for that shit. Anyway, what are we talking about? Our Patreon page. That's it. Do you know, the other week, me and Renfrey said, we're going to start trying to record the show without any edit points in it whatsoever. <laughs> and we've spent more time talking about Kim Cattrall and Steve Gutenberg yeah. than we have speaking about actual music we and failed. what's going on our Patreon page. We failed yeah, in massive. less than six minutes. Fuck, <laughs> massive fuck up. Anyway, <laughs> paging.com forward slash riot act podcast if you sign up for any amount of money you get access to our rioters reviews i think as we speak hopefully we've had a little bit of i know we say it's a lot and it's quite vague but but honestly we've had a little bit of drama um behind the scenes this week so we were going to have the money store by death grips going up this week that might be a couple of days late um through nobody's fault at all it's just one of those things but hopefully um that will go up a sap i don't think i don't think i'm um saying anything that i shouldn't be saying um by saying this and we can edit it out um our editor john has had a really tough time recently with um deaths in his family and yes. uh, he's had a couple in a row that have been quite really quite quite shocking and quite difficult so it's it's as simple as that and it just means that things you know we've turned around to him and said dude take your time it's absolutely fine mm. basically so they are coming they are recorded it's just you know we're giving our editor a bit of time out for a yeah so you can you can sign up for that and if if you if you are just signing up then death grips will be on its way in the meantime white stripes we did before that mm. Our very popular take on 100 Gex is up as well. Mm. Typo negative, capital decapitation, <laughs> Nick Cave, Bon Iver, Oasis, the Natural Killer soundtrack, Screaming Trees, Candlebox, Them Crooked Vultures. Loads, loads and loads and loads of ones that we've got. We've got absolutely yeah. loads at this point. And we will be doing next week for Ben Wilmot. Ben, I don't know if Ben, if you are currently listening. I mean, you're currently listening as I say this, but um, we've Ben's been around for a long time. We've not picked one of his before, so we're going to be doing Nightmares Made Flesh by the Swedish super death metal group Bloodbath. Super, That's going to be the next super death metal group. 
Yes. So, <laughs> yes, that's a bit Sean Connery, wasn't it? Uh, also, coming this Monday, if you sign up for our five pound tier, five pound and above, classic album on Obzin by Meshuggah, which we mm. recorded last week, mm. which was pretty fucking great. I thought Renfrey. That was lovely stuff. I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Mm. Nice, a little bit, bit different from what we've done before. I was about to say it was quite different, wasn't it? Mm. It was quite different from the usual um, the way that we do classic albums, because although I genuinely think that Obzin is a proper like particularly for you know Meshuggah I think I said in the show <clears throat> one of the most if not the most influential band of the last decade in metal pretty mm. much mm. and there's no getting away from the fact that Obzen there might be people who don't think Obzen is their best album but there will be people I think most people would agree that Obzen's the big commercial jump that they made and probably their most influential record overall I would say yeah um, and we discussed that, but really a lot of it was just about trying to understand and fathom Meshuggah. It was very much a, this is the head rather than the heart kind of chat, wasn't it? Mm, mm. Yeah, there was well, a we lot. We got of... kind of emotionally invested in someone like Jane's Addiction that we'd done before um, and, and many others. Like It wasn't quite that with Meshuggah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Meshuggah are a band that sort of move you internally so to speak they move you externally mm. but not internally mm. you know um but um and that could be seen as a slight in when you're talking about other bands but it isn't with Meshuggah because i feel like that's exactly the point almost in a lot of ways um it is really super impressive what Meshuggah do um and trying to get to the bottom of exactly what it is is a hell of a herculean task and um mm. we dipped our toe into the technical stuff i think I was um, very pleased that you indulged me and let me perform my acoustic rendition of Dancers to a Distort Coordinate System, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which you can hear live and unedited <laughs> if you sign up for £5 a month. Yeah. That's a, that's a bold yeah um, no 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 tracks and no uh vocoder used in that by the way guys so it was all it was all rem free um but yeah no it was a really it was a really fun two and a half hour chat really mm. good yeah it's good and if you do listen to that on monday you'll also hear what we reveal for our next classic album which yeah. we're not going to reveal here but let me just say it couldn't be much further from Meshuggah, polar polar opposite Sonically, absolute polar musically. opposite yeah 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 okay well there you go as i said go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast you can sign up for that five pound tier and get that and all of our other classic albums that we have done so far a uh, little bit of news kind of sad news sylvian sylvian uh rest in peace guitarist with the new york dolls of course um died on 13th of january after a near two-year battle with cancer age 69 um I am not a massive, massive fan of the New York Dolls, but I am hugely aware of their legacy. The glam rock explosion, the punk rock explosion, um, bringing androgyny and sexiness to garage rock in the, the that had come out of the sort of the late sixties. Such a massive thing. I mean that that debut New York Dolls album still does sound like. Uh, a box of firecrackers going off to this mm. day. Mm. Fucking fantastic, fantastic record. And, I, you know, they're absolutely one of the most essential bands of that ilk. You'd never hear The Damned or The Sex Pistols or Ramones or any of those bands who went on to become the 
the kind of standard bearers of punk rock. You would never hear them talk without them mentioning the Stooges or the New York Dolls. Such an important band. Um, I think the key thing with New York Dolls, though, probably even more than the Stooges, to be to be honest, even though personally I prefer the Stooges, but New York Dolls were fantastic as well. I think their influence outside of punk rock as well, because when you bring in the glam elements and those androgynous elements and stuff like that, David Bowie used to talk about New York Dolls all the time, and I yeah. don't think he'd strictly call David Bowie punk. Um, so... Um, yeah, I think I think they were one of the punk bands of that era who a lot of punk just influenced punk. Um, yeah, really. Um, mm-hmm. But I think New York Dolls are, are, are an outlier from that point of view. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, I was about to say the fact that Morrissey and Jarvis Cocker and people like mm. that were mm. such a clamour. I mean, when they reformed, it was 2004, I think, that they reformed and Morrissey got them playing at the South Bank and that was kind of the, the first reformation of the band i mean that this is you know pre we kind of credited the pixies with kickstarting the the revival and the reunion um merry-go-round of bands so when the new york dolls reformed particularly because they hadn't really been a thing or they hadn't been a thing since about 1975 you're looking at you know uh, uh, nearly 30 years of inactivity uh, for them yeah yeah, so, yeah, and um, twenty nine years of them being inactive as a band, yeah. and it, in that length of time, it, it felt like a, a kind of genuinely magical thing. I mean, obviously, it wasn't the complete original classic lineup of the New York Dolls, but the that felt like an incredibly exciting thing. I know it probably didn't capture the wider imagination in, in the same way as like we, when we talked about by the Pixies, but for people, you know, I just remember almost everybody who I respected in music going, I have to see this band, I have yeah. to see them because they were that important. And that was sort of the first time where I'd always been aware of them, but I'd not really listened to them. And that's the first time that I really went, I really need to listen to this band. And um, as for Sylvan himself, you know, that I mean, it's a great piece in the Guardian um, that called him the visionary eye of the New York Dolls, and I, I think that's a a really like he came up with the name of the band. Um, came up with the look as well, didn't he? He came up with the look. I mean, and, and a lot of people think that that relationship between um, Johnny Thunders and David Johansson, with them being the two most striking members of the band and probably the most revered and probably the I don't like to use this word, but the coolest members of the band if you like um are, are what people think about maybe when they think of the new york dolls he's the one who kept like as the rhythm guitarist he keeps that kind of throbbing rock and roll beat throughout that record he's kind of he's a he's a bit like malcolm young was in acdc i think hmm. just a really really super super um uh, important member of an incredibly important band so again yes rest in peace to him um phil specter's dead as well so <laughs> um I, I, we obviously less re- we, we kind of have to mention this because i think so many outlets have mentioned it and it feels like it's something worth mentioning phil specter died last week um in prison after committing a fucking horrible crime and everything about Phil Spector as a person you think what an absolutely 
atrocious human being he he seemed to be you read some of the stories that he uh, of the things he put his ex-wife through um and it's just a like absolutely appalling I, I, um, think, I think it's interesting to hear how many people say that they weren't surprised that he committed murder mm. you know uh, mm. it's just yeah yeah so um you know it, obviously w- we have to mention it because it's it's a it's a big story and it's a, it's somebody who is a um who is a a, a, a big part of why music sounds the way it sounds today whether you would like to admit it or not or whether you believe he should be receiving a you know a eulogy or a pat on the back for the things that he did during his career um phil Spector did things with the art of recording techniques and production that actually you know he didn't just he wasn't just a, a good producer. He was somebody, he was a revolutionary producer. He's somebody who completely moved on the art of how records sounded and he changed the way that music has sounded forever. And, you know, unless you don't listen to any music that came out after 1958, yeah. you kind of have to acknowledge that you're listening to something which was sort of perfected by Phil Spector. Definitely, maybe by Oasis wouldn't be the first thing that you think of when you go to the idea of a Phil Spector sounding album. Mm. But the fact that that pr- the producer Owen Morris decided to create that wall of guitars is directly, the fact that he could do that is directly because of the chances taken by Phil Spector in the studio. And people say, no, you know, shouldn't even mention the fact that he's a record producer. Well, you know, if you didn't mention the fact that he was a record producer, this wouldn't be getting covered at all. Plenty of murderers die every day and it doesn't get mentioned or covered by the media at all. The media, for the most part, I think have, you know, there's been some think pieces and there's been some eulogies, but when it's been reported in the news, in the news news, um, they appear to have just presented it as fact. And I kind of think that's what news should do. I mean, you moan about Fox news a lot being like, Oh, they do this and they say that and they twist stuff. Well, this is something being presented for me as kind of factually and as um, uh, kind of uh, emotionlessly as the news should be presented. I I personally think Mm -hmm. that when you, the the news should present the facts of what happened to you. And that's kind of, I think what most of the news things have done. So I think people are getting in a bit of a tiz over it. Um, for no reason like really because i think you 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 kind of have to whether you like him or not you kind of have to acknowledge that you know this is uh that his career has led to a very significant change in the way music is today i think the fact of the matter is 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 you know phil Spector had an extraordinary influence on anything yeah post 1950s in terms of what we listen to so whether we like to acknowledge that or not um you know that is a a fact and um whilst we don't want to eulogize him here it would seem ridiculous just not to like say anything at all the week yeah you know yeah we're not saying oh what a shame that phil specter's died we're saying phil specter has died and phil specter the world the world is a better place 
without Phil Spector, but the world is also a better place with Phil Spector's work. And I guess that's the kind of the difficult thing to try and um, manoeuvre yourself around. Unfortunately, Phil Spector's achievements in his work are so significant that it is impossible not to at least mention them. Other, that is the only reason we are mentioning him here. Yeah. So anyway, he's gone. Uh, fine. So there you go. Let's do some reviews, Renfrey, because I don't want to talk about that cunt anymore. Well, <laughs> anymore, well debatably from bad to worse? Or No. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Billy Corgan, even as an egomaniacal weirdo, <laughs> is not a abhorrent piece of shit so uh okay smashing pumpkins uh i don't know how to say this album title see uh i've i've just been referring to it as cyr but yeah it could be seer sounds a bit too much like cyr must die (laughs) (laughs) Corey taylor yeah 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 yeah, Yeah, good good right good yeah everyone everyone still is this on but, um, <laughs> but which, anyway. al- which album is better because it is tricky to choose between these two oh, again i don't think it is <laughs> uh the 11th studio album from the alternative rock legends of smashing pumpkins a follow-up to the frankly quite good if a little short amazingly shiny and oh so bright from late 2018 i think we were fairly fairly kind of positive about that record right or at least i feel like i was you were you were much kinder to it than i was i thought it had like the the first track nights something to do with nights it's brilliant um but i thought overall it was a bit meh uh but you were quite pleasantly surprised from what i recall I, they, they were, I thought the first half of it in particular, now it's a very slight record, you know, as I've it's mentioned. Like 35 and kind of, minutes or something. Yeah, ironically, like, uh, it, it was not, you know, these albums coming back to back and it's like one's too short. Well, and, and I guess people went, you know, it's a little bit short, that last album. So they've just gone, right, <laughs> we, we are going to make the longest album ever. Uh, it's well, really it's, weird. It's, it's 72 minutes and six seconds this album. Is that all? Oh, Christ. Yeah, um, it feels longer, but it's 72 minutes and six seconds. Yeah, yeah. Te- I, I, technically I, a double album, even though you could get it on one single. I think I liked, I think I really liked four of the tracks off of um, Shining Oh So Bright. I thought a, t- a couple were all right and there were two that were a bit dud. Now, when you put that all together, that doesn't make a great record. No. But I think... Um, uh, stuff like Moana, is it? The song where the kind of... I'm nothing but a puppet in my mind. I'm nothing but that's great. That's a great song. Okay, right. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the track four on uh, on that last album. I, you know, so I thought it was pretty good, and I thought, all right, well, like if this is Smashing Pumpkins kind of easing their way back in together and recording and stuff, then that's cool. Um, they've had a bit of a stinker here, really, haven't they? I mean. Much like their Wembley show that we discussed around the time of their comeback. They're just, I mean, we've already sort of touched on it. The sheer length of this record, when you say 72 minutes, it doesn't sound like much when you consider there are albums that are 72 minutes that are great, that we love. 
um I, I I find it impossible to even begin. Like I know we talk about albums being too long, too much, some quite a lot, but I find it impossible to even fathom how anybody could argue that these twenty songs, twenty songs, mm. and this seventy-two minute runtime is justified in any way whatsoever. Apparently, there were thirty-five songs which were considered for the release. Um, I. I, I dread to think what the remaining 15 sound like based on the 20 that have made it onto this record. Um, a couple of things that are probably worth noting before we dive really deep into it. Uh, this is the first time a stable Smashing Pumpkins lineup has released two consecutive albums since Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness in 1995. Bloody hell. And it's probably worth bringing up the fact that this is some sort of sequel to Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. No, 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 no. You're getting confused. Um, That is due probably later this year. And that's going to be a double album as well. Those, these are two entirely separate projects. A few people have got those confused, but that Melancholy 2 is due later this year and it's going to be a double album. Well, I was going to say, because... An album that was, was, you know, Melancholy's as long, at least, as this, right? Me- Melancholy's longer. Way, way longer. Melancholy right, okay. is, um, like, I think it's two hours exactly, pretty mm. much. But that being an album which is incredibly varied, incredibly yeah. vast, incredibly expansive, incredibly unusual. Uh, and that's not what we get here at all. No. This, and I, this, I, this feels twice as long as melancholy and the infinite sadness even though it's almost half the length (laughs) i i mean i I don't really understand what's going on here i don't i can't believe that this is such a lackluster and one-dimensional record Mm. i mean it's a real slog this record it's a real slog i i find it very 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 hard indeed to get through this album in one sitting 20 songs 72 minutes um it's very much driven by a synth pop sort of direction, which is peculiar for many reasons, some of which I'm going to outline now. Um, why was Billy so desperate to get the original Smashing Pumpkins lineup back together, which he managed to do three quarters of, um, only to produce something that doesn't sound anything remotely like what the Pumpkins have done before? In terms of the Smashing Pumpkins, this is probably closest to a door. Although, actually, I think in reality, the closest this album resembles sonically to anything that Billy Corgan's done is probably his solo album, The Future Embrace, from mm-hmm. 2005. Don't know if you remember that. Um, I remember it. I mean, I listened to that once. I think I've listened to it once as well. <laughs> like, and certainly not much more than that. Um, you know, it's okay. Um, bit pointless but you know it's it's all right um and this is all right it's just twice as long which makes it tedious (laughs) yeah i mean i'm glad you've mentioned i was actually going to come to uh, james iheart and jimmy chamberlain a little bit later on and i was you know i've written that exact thing where are where are they this is the original smash you know as close to the original smashing pumpkins as we've had Mm. for a long time Mm. right where are the other two Mm. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. I mean, it's not like there are drums on this record and there are guitars on this record, but there is uh, Jimmy Chamberlain. I mean, one of the things that I 
you know that i said about the last album is there is that the song that i was talking about a minute ago at the end has this massive jimmy chamberlain drum freak out and you go there he is he's back jimmy chamberlain hey real wicked right not nothing and this could be yeah. i mean this could be any fucking drummer it could be any drummer and, and I that s- is mad when you consider how distinctive age like distinctive drummers are I, I think like I'm not a drummer, so sorry if you're a drummer, but I find really distinctive drummers quite rare. Yeah, Joey Jordison, Dave, Dave Grohl. Grohl. Um, I, I think um, yeah, the, the Rev from Avenged Sevenfold. I would mm-hmm. throw in there as well. Like there mm-hmm. are, you know, there are even Lars Ulrich, Vinnie Paul. I think are a couple that Danny I've mentioned Carey. a bunch of times before. Danny Carey, you know, a brand from Mastodon. I think is as well. Ringo Starr, as we mentioned in our White Album special yeah. a few times, I think. You know, there there are really, really we go that's that's them. And Jimmy Chamberlain is one of those drummers. Definitely. And yet he is on this record and it could be any drummer. I have often said that Jimmy Chamberlain is my favourite drummer of the 90s. And I think it's a really good pick, frankly. Uh, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> if I don't say so myself. Uh, wow, you agree with your own opinion. Amazing. <laughs> um but uh yes as you correctly pointed out this could be absolutely anyone and i am all for as we said multiple times i'm all for bands uh experimenting and doing doing new things in a weird way i mean that's kind of always what the pumpkins did you know it was very very difficult to um to focus in on exactly what their sound was or 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 what kind of band that they were especially when you took in their career as a whole but so i suppose you could argue and i'm sure billy corgan does argue that this is continuing that tradition but it just feels like going to all this work trying to get your band together and he's been trying to do you know he's been trying to do that i mean they broke up and it was only a couple of years later where he was like writing you know taking out full page ads and stuff in variety or whatever and saying i want my band back you know um and he's finally managed to get it as close as he's ever going to get it. And then he produces an album which sounds more like The Killers than it does anything Smashing Pumpkins have done. It's just like, why did you bother going to all that effort? Like, you could have easily just done this as a solo thing or, or something like that. And he also said, said to The Guardian that he was looking to get a contemporary sound for this record, which just sounds like... It sounds... I mean... This is not a contemporary sounding record in any way, shape or form, is it, Steve? He should have done 100 Gex, shouldn't he? He got 100 <laughs> Gex involved. It's, it's, in fact, it's, I would call it the absolute opposite of contemporary. It sounds retro as hell. It's got that 80s retro synth pop feel to it. That's I mean, what it sounds that like. Is, that is quite, I mean, this is the sort of, I guess, the irony of the circular nature of culture is that, that 80s synth pop sound is is very popular amongst yeah. bigger artists in you know the, i mean the 1975 obviously would be one of the more obvious examples of a band who are co- massively contemporary but do sound kind of re- well lean on that quite a lot i mean that great song they did that sounds like tears for fears like but it's no, I, it's fashionable at the moment. We 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 yeah. talked about synth pop and the eighties influence of loads of artists recently, and loads of different artists have used it in lots of different ways. Um, but with the Pumpkins, it's not like they're using it and then and then uh, infusing it into what they've already done. 
it's as if they've gone back to the 80s, are using 80s technology and going, right, let's make a synth pop album. I don't know. I mean, we're getting into semantics here, but is that really contemporary when, when, when it's a sound that has already been done before? Like, if I was asked to name a contemporary album, I'd say Code Orange, because I hear stuff on there that I hasn't been done before you know mm. so it, it depends on your definition of that but anyway i thought that was a really weird thing to say because it just it just doesn't sound contemporary in any way shape or form i don't think that's i think it, it's the it's the opinion of what is contemporary to someone who is maybe a little bit uh, out of touch of what is sort of super popular i mean i think even even uh, there's no way billy corgan listens to fucking code orange no <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, there's no way Billy Corgan listens to Code Orange, but he might listen to the 1975. Yeah, he may well do. I mean, we are probably talking about a man. Well, he's in his fifties, isn't he? I think. Mm. I think he's early fifties. So you know, mm. so maybe I shouldn't uh, uh, jump on that so much. But then at the same time, if you say you're going to make a contemporary album and then you come out with this, it's like, come on, man. Yeah, I, I think the problem is is that there's not there's nothing wrong per se with saying you're going to make a contemporary album and what is currently contemporary is a kind of, you know, a, a retro pastiche of something which has happened before. And that's what you mean. I think that's fine. I think the problem is, is, I mean, I can't believe I'm going to stick up for the 1975 when that last album was such a mess, but at least the 1975 do sound contemporary. Like even when they sound like an eighties band, it does still sound like something which is kind of of the time now whereas this doesn't uh, yeah and i think that's that's the main problem is that there's nothing essentially wrong with going hey you know the 80s is cool now how can we use that warm synth 80s style in a more updated modern way and that makes it sound contemporary as opposed to billy corgan going oh people like the 80s now so that's contemporary so mm. i'll make an album that sounds like you know new order mm. um I I mean that's a problem I think I mean obviously for me I I think the you know I like the 80s stuff a lot so sonic sonically I I don't necessarily in theory have a problem with them doing that really well this right? is this is something i wanted to ask you actually and apologies if you were about to say this anyway but really in a weird way despite me being the bigger pumpkins fan out of the two of us this is actually a record far more suited to you um because i think it has very little to do with the pumpkins at all apart from who's singing on it really um and you're of the two of us certainly you're the 80s synth pop guy so let's forget is this a good smashing pumpkins album is this a good retro synth pop album not really no i don't think it was <laughs> because i mean here's the thing right so we were on the phone the other day and we were just sort of talking about what we're going to be doing over the next week or whatever and i was like oh i'm in the middle of basically writing a little note for each song on this record and you would like why don't bother. don't don't bother what there's a waste 20, of time because it, 20 of them there's 20 of them and it just sits in this pace and i'm not against the pace of the song itself that they seem to be obsessed with i think it's kind of a decent enough song yeah when it's done well but for this amount of time it just feels like the album starts and you go this is a pretty inauspicious start really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's very slow electro filtered rock um for like seven minutes 
and there's t- and it's the, the the opening two songs, the color of love and confessions of a dopamine dopamine addict. Yeah, you're looking at seven minutes and thirty six seconds of the opening of this record, and to me, it felt like kind of when's this gonna get going? Like that's pretty much all I yeah. all I really felt about it is it when this feels like a very slow, a bit like Billy coming on and you know. <laughs> and oh. Wembley with an with an acoustic guitar and like saluting himself, you know. I forgot uh, that happens. Yeah, yeah, not the best. And I was like, well, you know, there's it really needs to start. And I thought when the title track came in, a, t- a track three, I really like the bass line to it, and I think the ah, ah, ah uh, backing vocal chorus bit is great. And it's almost like a kind of alternative rock version of the Human League. And I quite, you know, that it had a really kind of the, the the sort of sweet female backing vocals a really good bass line a really good transition from um verse to chorus and i was like this is a this is a, a really good pop song i mean like you say nothing to do with the smashing pumpkins no. or what they've done and their legacy and what they've done previously but you know really good and i was like okay I guess here we go then and i'd quite like them to have stepped it up a gear after that but then they do the opposite and the next song dulcet and e comes in and it's like a worse version of the first two songs and i'm just like what 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 are you doing i definitely agree like up to that point the third track which is the title track is easily the best example of that song that they seem intent on doing over and over again it sort of just suggests someone who doesn't really have any ideas left in the tank really which which i kind of don't believe with Billy Corgan because he's so prolific and he's so adept in the form of and and, and just getting used to songwriting all the time I kind of find it difficult to believe that he didn't have anything better than this in the tank unless he's just saving it for melancholy too I don't know (laughs) god he might be I mean the thing is is like to me there's Billy Corgan or and Rivers Cuomo is a good example of this as well. People who found music and songwriting so easy. Mm. Like those in the stuff they did in the nineties and they're like, Oh, we've, we've, I've written a thousand songs and probably all of them were great. And it's just so easy for them that 30 odd years down the line, they're probably going, Oh, well, I can't do that. It's too easy for me to do that. So I'll have to do something else. And they're deliberately putting blocks in the way like billy corgan with this record deciding he's going to make a contemporary record but not really knowing what being contemporary means because he's in his 50s and he spends most of his time you know at wrestling shows or on on a roller coaster or whatever like (laughs) he doesn't i don't think he he probably just doesn't know what contemporary is so he's had a guess and he's gone oh i like 80s music and apparently that's big now and He's just put a load of blocks in the way of himself, just naturally writing great stuff. The songs that he would write, I think, and he's not incapable of of doing that. I mean, that song "Dulcet in E" it's just not a, it's just not a good song, and I think it's shown up when Romana comes in, which I think is one of the strongest songs on the record, just because it's got an actual catchy chorus. It's got a hook. Um, it's got quite an annoying hook, but it does have. But it does actually have a hook, which a lot of these songs don't have. So I, I understand what you're saying. Mm. And I think you know, when when coming to talk about the songs on this record, I mean, 
it's probably going to be easier and quicker for us if we just pick the songs that aren't mid-play, mid-paced, plodding, 80-synth ballads. And it doesn't really leave us with a lot if we, well, if we cut them out. there is one song on this record which I think is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is Witch. Uh, spelt w-y-t-t-c-h because uh, he does like a good alternative spelling our billy um which just well for starters it has a guitar in it or it has a, pro- a prominent guitar uh, you which, can hear the other two in this song yeah you yeah you exactly you can hear a band in this song rather than some fairly weak solo project you know um and my ears just pre- pricked up immediately and it's a really interesting obtuse odd song as well it's not a straight ahead rocker it's something that the smashing pumpkins used to be really fucking good at and clearly are still capable of and maybe billy's not interested in doing that anymore which is fine but it just seems a little bit silly to get your old back uh your old band back together if you're not going to be interested in doing the stuff like that at all you know mm. Mm. okay i mean i like which because you do kind of go, oh, it does sound a bit like what the Smashing Pumpkin, like the rest of the band are there. But I put it to you, Renfrey. Is this a good a, a, a good song or is it just like the most unusual, m- most well-representative song of the Smashing Pumpkins? Because I think this could be track five on a filter album. <laughs> um I've not listened to it outside of, I've not listened to it on its own i've not listened to it outside of the context of the album and you're absolutely right that that it very much could be a sense of stockholm syndrome that i'm just like desperate to hear something anything that sounds vaguely different to the eight songs that have preceded it and then that comes in and i'm so relieved that i've put it up on a pedestal as this really amazing song um it's probably really basic i mean i doubt it's mayonnaise or fucking you know sherub rock or anything like that um yeah you're probably right i'm just uh, at that point of the record i'm just so relieved to hear something different though we're a good 30 minutes in i reckon yeah i mean i i do like it and i do consider it one of the highlights of the record but Mm then and i did first of all that one took my ear straight away but However many times since this has been out in December, I've probably listened to this record at least sort of 10 or 11, 12 times now. The more I listen, the more I know. Well, mate, it's been out a while. Um, The more it's come on that song, the more I do kind of go, is this this actually good? Or am I just like, yeah, it sort sort of vaguely sounds a bit like Smashing Pumpkins and the rest of it doesn't. And hey, there's James Ahar's guitar. I'm not sure that it's actually that good. I mean, probably after right. that, you get a song called Starcraft and it's straight back to yeah. what you've already done. And you go, oh God. And then you look at it and you go, you're exactly halfway through the record. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and that to me is when it becomes a slog. And not oh, even yeah. necessarily because the songs are so much worse. Although I don't have a lot to say about the majority of the second half of it. It's just the sheer weight of the similarities in tone and pace. Like, Telegenics has got some sort of Nine Inch Nail style chord sequences in it. Black Forest, Black Hills has got a bit of floor Tom Stomp. Again, you're like, oh, look, it's an actual drummer. Yeah. The Hidden Sun sounds a bit like it's trying to be everything, everything. Tiger, Tiger and Minerva, I think, are actually quite decent enough closures. But at that point, you're just 
begging for the record Willing to end. To end. Yeah. And <clears throat> and frankly, there's nothing as good on this entire record as Ava Adore. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and you just think like you've made 20 songs uh, and there's one, you know, at least one song in your back catalogue that you've done, which is a variant on this, which is hugely superior to literally every single song on this entire record uh, the, the majority almost all of that adore record is better than yeah. this almost all of it um you know i i i think i'd i'd hope if we got the opportunity to see smashing pumpkins again i'd really hope that they wouldn't play an awful lot of these songs but knowing billy corgan he'll probably he'll probably fucking do the whole album every night and then just encore with like tonight and tonight and then fuck off or something. But yeah, it would severely bring down the quality of a smashing pumpkins show. If they well, put loads of this material in, I think like no one wants to hear CYR or Sia over geek USA. Do you know what I mean? No, no one. I, I, I really stuck up the smashing pumpkins when they played download in 2019 mm. and I, I mean i really stuck up for them and their set which was getting absolutely panned they got mauled by yeah, the they download did, they? folks and that set you know I, and i was just like well look if you only know zero bullet of butterfly wings today and that you've come for that and that's you know oh i want all the big hits i want you know i want rotten apples like yeah you might have been disappointed by that but actually you should probably invest a little bit more time in their entire back catalog because their back catalog is really really good and there's even you know songs from like monuments to an energy that i think are, are, are really good and you know you brought um oceana and you were like this album's really good and there's record. some great there's some great stuff on that and i think people should probably but even i would be really really struggling to get through a set if they peppered it full of this stuff and oh, yeah. dropped out and and dropped out some of the bit i mean you know the, the download set i think they didn't play tonight tonight um no. they didn't play i've got it in front of me t- they did zero did they, play, did they, play, mm-hmm. they started with zero yeah, solara knights of malta which is the really good song from the last record mm-hmm. bullet with butterfly wings tiberius Glow, Disarm, Super Christ, The Everlasting Gaze, Cover of Snowblind, that's interesting, yeah, uh, with, that's M- with Merca, Ave Adore, yep. Sherub Rock, and then ending on a brilliant B-side called The Aeroplane Flies High, Turns Left, Looks mm. Right. Yeah. Great and, uh, to me, To me, that is a good set. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd, be, I, I don't I'd think actually be happy it, with that. Yeah, and you think there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff that's, that's, not, that's not on there that you would probably think, oh, I can't believe. I mean, I remember people being like, oh, they're going to come back and do Tonight Tonight, aren't they? Surely it's like, oh, I don't think they are, guys. But, um, you know, if if <sighs> when you think back to the Wembley show and how, just how weird it was. I mean, how- you just know, you just know Billy Corgan would slam a load of this in there oh, now. Oh, yeah, of course he would. <laughs> of course be like, oh, are you taking out the everlasting gaze for this shit <laughs> yeah. it would be not good it, it's a real it's a real shame because like whilst i didn't love the last record uh let's remind ourselves of its title shiny and oh so oh, bright volume yeah. one lp no past no future no sun <laughs> uh <laughs> whilst i didn't love that record i thought it was a interesting starting block for something else that could have been really interesting and 
I, I thought it was an interesting stepping stone to something that could have been brilliant. And when I saw the artwork for this record and saw that it was done in the same style, and I thought, okay, a bit of a companion piece thing, but like expanded. And the idea of that last record, but expanded and made kind of bigger and more bombastic and more cinematic and having a couple like a, a 10 minute song in that style in there or something like that which is basically what I thought this was going to be that really appealed to me and I'm not yeah. saying that this is rubbish because it wasn't that I'm saying this is rubbish because this is rubbish like it's just a rubbish idea to basically play the same song over and over again for fucking 72 minutes 20 mm. times it's 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 and i don't and like you said i don't even think it's a particularly good song i don't think it's a terrible song but i don't think it's that good either you know? no uh it's uh it's very very odd it's an odd thing to do i mean had we have had this have come out a month prior to it actually coming out when we came to our most disappointing albums of the of 2020 i mean i had paul bearer as mine <laughs> yeah me. the yeah. paul bearer album is so much better than this oh god yeah and there's no and you know and and i don't expect anywhere near as much from paul bear as i do from smashing pumpkins no i mean i probably do now but (laughs) i didn't i think you should now yeah it's a shame isn't it it's 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 just head scratching i I don't I, i i i don't get it i really i like you say waiting so long to get your old band back together and then releasing something which bears absolutely no hallmarks of the two guys. It almost feels like this is a kind of power play, but I hate to say it because I interviewed Billy Corgan and I, I I really liked him. Like he's clearly an odd guy because we saw that Wembley show. Yeah. He's an odd, he's an odd guy. guy. He wasn't, he wasn't a, it wasn't a horrible guy. He was actually really nice to me. You know, he was really, really, like pleasant and he could kind of take a joke as well like we had a we had a few like i had a, i had a few little sort of sarky jabs at him and he laughed it all off with fairly good grace and i was like oh i think maybe people have really got the wrong idea about billy corgan and then <laughs> but now you look at it and you go i don't know what you're doing mate i really don't uh-huh. know what you're doing and it's again it's not the fact that he's experimenting it's the fact that he's totally diminished the roles of the two guys that he's worked so hard to get back in the band. We don't know what's going on with Darcy. I've never, I haven't read anything. I'm not sure what I like. She's just never been mentioned. I think that, Dar- well, she, she, well, she, she, there was a bit of controversy with it, but I think the Darcy ship has sailed basically. So it's not. Yeah. What, do you know why she didn't come back? So there was a short story about, um, her saying that she had asked um or or she was never asked or something like that and billy corgan has said no she was asked but she wasn't interested blah 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 i mean it ran for like two days and okay i didn't know that but yeah but i mean again that wembley show every old promo pic was like cropped incredibly badly yes like the shittest photoshop job you've ever seen like oh god is it and we had we did have did you have a you didn't have a bass player back in the 90s nah (laughs) definitely not we were like a power trio no you weren't it's it's difficult to believe billy corgan when he's trying to be kind of like oh it's all amicable and we're okay and blah 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 it's just like why are you cropping her out of your photos very very odd and and yeah and it does just feel like billy corgan's gone this is my band this is me i am smashing pumpkins it's felt like that like obviously when it was him with like the sort of his year 11 GCSE students that he got playing like 
drums and bass for him that he had a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> That's a bit hard. I mean, they were young. They were young harsh. and they, they were, were very young. talented, but they weren't, they, <laughs> like, it didn't feel like there was an, I, I saw that lineup a, a couple of times. It never felt yeah. like there was any chemistry. Yeah. I mean, that's the lineup that headlined Reading uh, just over a decade ago as well. I know. Yeah. Ridiculous. And if they've really fallen, didn't they, the Smashing Pumpkins? It's one of the one of the biggest sort of falls from graces I can remember in a long time, I think. But they do Half occasionally. Full Wembley. They do occasionally surprise you. You know, it does occasionally happen. Still, it's just this is not one of those times. I really wanted to be surprised. And it's been a while as well, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's, it's, yeah. I don't know, man. It's just a very confusing thing. When I think back to when I first heard about the Smashing Pumpkins and where they were and what they were doing, and they just felt like this monumentally important band. And to see what it is now is just unrecognizable. It's very strange. Um, it's not a great record, unfortunately. And I don't take any joy in saying that whatsoever. No. None at like, all. I, I really would love. I would love. I would love a great Smashing Pumpkins album. I'm gutted about this record. I I think it's probably the worst album in the Pumpkins discography. I think I think it, it's really poor. It could well be, yeah. It yeah, probably it was probably Monuments to an Allergy before this one, which actually, as you said, has. I think it only has a couple of great songs on it, but those two mm. songs are fucking banging um but this just doesn't yeah i mean this my favorite track is witch and as you say if you take it off if you take it out of context it probably isn't even that good a song really it's just got some yeah. guitars in it so it makes me go yay i mean compared with say i mean what's that one on monuments the energy like, the world's on fire yeah now, uh, don't you know tiberius that's a great, i think yeah yeah that's a that's a that's a great song. song and that's absolutely no and you take that out and be like that's just a great song i think you take witch out and you go you know this is a bit like a sort of, you know, black like burn song <laughs> <laughs> that didn't get this like track nine on their fourth album. Um, anyway, it's out now. If you want to go and listen to it, CYR we're going to call it by Smashing yeah. Pumpkins. Been out a while. It's ah, not a shame great. that. Let's move on uh, to Vordruna. The album is called. Hold on, Gvit Raven. Yeah. Might be. I thought. I thought it was. <laughs> Might uh, be. Kvitran. Uh, Kvitran. I don't know. Yeah. Quit. Quit. That's Kvitraven. Yeah. That's good. Well done. If we just <laughs> mumble it, then <laughs> it means white raven. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, the fifth album from the Norwegian ambient dark folk band. The follow-up to 2018 Skald. I have to admit, Renfrey, I have never listened to Vordruna before, and I've never really been that excited by the prospect of listening to Raw Dreamer, just to be honest, just because I kind of am aware of what I thought they would be. Now, maybe that is narrow-minded on my part. Maybe that is the wrong way to approach bands in general. It probably is, to be perfectly honest. But there are sometimes you look at a band and you go, I'm not sure that I'm that this is really the, the thing that I'm going to vibe with that much. However, with them having some, you know, some, I mean, Jonathan Seltzer at Metal Hammer, I think mm. is, one of the one of the people whose views i most uh, respect yes. in all of all of music uh, absolutely loves them he absolutely loves them and so i was kind of quite looking forward to getting in on vordruna for the first time and properly listening to them and making up my own mind about them how about you have you ever listened to this band 
Well, I've seen them live. Before? I've seen them live. Okay. Um, I saw them probably at the best setting that you could see a band like this at Roadburn Festival. Um, okay. And I was asked to write a few words, something like 35 words or something like that, but for Metal Hammer, for one of their big reviews. And I was in the main room surrounded by 3,000. <laughs> That's what you meant by the band. I was, before they came on, I was asked to write a few words just to sort of introduce them. <laughs> <laughs> yes that's right uh so i was in the main room surrounded by three thousand odd people and they mm. were completely enraptured by this right primal music and the ritualistic incantations that were occurring on stage um i was left kind of impressed by the drama but i felt yeah. relatively unmoved by it it was a it was a really cool spectacle and something that i hadn't really properly seen before all the pagan elements and the dressing up and the crazy ass singing and stuff like that but um it just didn't really move me in the way that it clearly does move a lot of other people um i suppose one big question is why a band like this are appearing in metal magazines and stuff like that and i think that is pretty much almost exclusively to do with um Ida Selvex once being a member of uh, Gorgoroth I would say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I think if it weren't for that association it's unlikely they'd find themselves in the pages of Metal Hammer they're actually one of the cover stars for this month um alongside Twin Temple Alien Weaponry and The Who I think yeah that's right um you know, and I, I don't think to be to give credit to Hammer, they kind of acknowledge that themselves. Um, but I think that's probably worth. I, I think, <laughs> interestingly, the new sounds that Metal Hammer have chosen for this year, I would argue that Twin Temple, The Who, and Vordruna, neither of them are metal bands, which is really interesting. But you know, mm. uh, which is fine. But I think that's quite like being as someone who um, probably has a closer relationship with as a, as a friend with Merlin than, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been privy to a lot of those conversations and have been, you know, I was obviously told you're not allowed to say anything until it comes out mm-hmm. and everything. But I, I'd known about those four covers for a long time. And we had had a, a few conversations where, and, and I sort of said to him, I mean, kind of the comparison between doing that. And I guess sort of what we tried to do a bit with this podcast where we like, well, actually alternative music is, sort of a state of mind it's sort of uh, a enough of a um of a a malleable idea and concept that you can actually bring in something like taylor swift alongside something like anal nathrak mm. or full of hell and phoebe bridges and and those kind of ideas that actually what's important is the um what's important is rather than the the sonic sound of a band the kind of ideological nature of the band and what they stand for and how they stand for it and what kind of links they do have to this particular sort of subsect of culture and uh, you know obviously Vordruna definitely definitely have that I think there's enough <laughs> certainly in the imagery of a band like Twin Temple for mm. them to be an interesting little curio i mean it's interesting to to talk about that band on the week that we spoke about phil specter when Mm. i mean obviously they're doing they're doing what phil specter used to do yeah 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 exactly and um all the stuff that is the absolute bullseye 
top class the best example of that probably is stuff that phil Spector produced mm. and um runnets. no the, the runnets and uh, you know stuff like that uh and um as for who's the other one the who i've not really listened to the who to be perfectly honest but i think they're they're, they're basically a metal band just from they are kind of the mongolian equivalent to something like system of a down maybe I wouldn't say that's the case. No, I I actually don't hear an awful lot of metal in their sound at all. Um, okay. I, I I'd like to point. I'm not saying this is a bad thing necessarily. I'm just sort of pointing it out as something as yeah. where metal's at at the moment. I mean, one of my favourite artists of last year by a long long way was aa williams and she would absolutely fit into that you know she's not metal but she has a kind of uh through line or a synthesis with metal which makes makes her part of the scene of the culture anyway yeah. so i don't have we'll be doing the new we'll be doing a new perturbator album uh yeah. when it comes out which i've which i've got and it's very it's really good mm. um yeah and you know that to me is the the, the connection with heavy metal is really really obvious and I think, yeah, you know, Valdruna, I think it, like for me, I know, I know you're not saying it's not good. And I know there have, obviously there are some people on the internet who think it's, it's not good, but I like, I think it's, I think it's good to see. I mean, at the very least, whether I like this record or not, it's good to see bands like this getting significant coverage. And I think also this is being re- uh, released by Sony in Germany. Music They're like a major nations. label band. Yeah. Music nations. Like that's, that's really cool yeah that's fantastic you know mm-hmm. um it's 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 brilliant i mean it, it would have been very it would have been very unlikely that a move like this would have been made even back in the 90s for for something that sounds like this oh not a fucking chance yeah yeah not a so, chance yeah yeah um so i do think it's progress in many many ways i think the thing that i sort of struggle with with Wardruna is they clearly inspire complete and utter devotion in a lot of people and when i'm taking in their music i kind of want to feel the same devotion that those people feel mm-hmm. and i just don't mm. i quite enjoy i enjoy the music like i don't dislike it uh, this is another pretty lengthy album it's actually 65 minutes and 45 seconds Mm-hmm. And considering its length, it feels long to me and it feels epic, but it doesn't kind of, I don't get bored of it, you know, personally. Um, it just feels like an epic sort of undertaking, but I, yeah. I enjoy it whilst it's on, you know, but I don't feel sort of rapturously wrapped up in it. Um, and I kind of want to, It's it's frustrating. It's almost... It's a similar-ish feeling that I get with, say, a band like Baby Metal or something like that. You see people around you whilst watching them who are absolutely devoted and adore it, and it's the best thing they'll see all year. And I'm like, well, I like it, and I can see what they're trying to do, and I think it's quite impressive, but it doesn't really hit me emotionally in any way. It's just an interesting, just just a good spectacle. Yeah. Um, I suppose the closest thing we have to compare this that we've covered on the show previously is probably Merker's folk sounds record. I was going to bring that up actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is another one for me. I mean, I have to say for everything we've just said, I I do like for me personally, I find the stuff surrounding Rodruna far more interesting and to be perfectly honest, far more enjoyable than actually listening to their music. I am glad that a band like this exists. 
I am glad that people find something inspiring and mu- musically enjoyable about this band. Um, I am glad that metal has able to embrace a band who are so different from the traditional idea of what metal is. I think that's really good. The fact that they're getting on Sony and Music for Nations and this is being rolled out to this many people and they're getting on the front cover of Metal Hammer, I think is fantastic. But in terms of listening to it, I mean, I literally got nothing from this at all. Not a second of it has stuck with me in the slightest. I've listened to it six times. I was basically just willing it to end straight away and that isn't me going this is shit i mean i'm i I was talking to someone the other week and i was like there's always something you can find something to enjoy in all music can't you surely like you if you really really try but i think sometimes that's just not true you know and it's unfortunate but sometimes it's just it's just not true and there are things that you just you just don't like the sound of or that just give you kind of nothing that you personally feel find enjoyable. Like I like to think that everything that comes in, we try and I, I try and align myself with that artist to go to understand it. And I feel like I kind of understand this record and I kind of feel like I understand why it's good, but I, I could never get a handle it on it. It never clicked with me it felt like a really long thing. It was a bit like, it was a bit like, well, Merca, I was like, I just, I've got no, there's absolutely nothing about this that I enjoy. It's Mm. not badly made or composed. I just don't like the sound of it. I felt the same about Anavon Housewolf. I wouldn't say Anavon Housewolf isn't talented or, you know, someone said she's a genius. That may well be. I'm not the person to be, you know, proclaiming her genius, but I would never say that she's not. This is not L-Storm. Or Corey Taylor, where you think this is cynical and badly made. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there are some things where I go, this is quite cynical. This is quite badly made. Smashing Pumpkins. I like this type of music, but this is a confusing move for them. And it's not, it's not a place where they seem comfortable. I can't say any of that about Vordruna. I can't say any about uh, those things at all. All I can say is, is that I do not want to listen to this music. I just don't. It sounds like you've taken against it a bit more than I thought you might. Like you, you are not interested in. Um, so you do find it a slog listening to this, do you? Uh, I find it a real slog. Yeah, I, mm. I, I honestly, nothing has from it has stuck with me at all. I couldn't even. T- I could kind of tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like Game of Thrones. Like that's all I could say. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, I mean, yeah, I guess so. But um, that, that probably, like, you know, people will probably be scoffing at that because they're like, "You idiot!" But then I don't listen to this sort of thing and i guess i mean maybe the problem is i don't listen to this stuff enough to be able to really judge what is good and what is not good about it mm. it all sort of sits in one place to me because i guess i'm i'm just not really that into it and i probably wouldn't go out of my way to really really try and understand it but i have gone out of my way to try and understand this record and i don't i think weirdly i have a slightly different view to you because I feel like I don't understand this record. I feel like there's something, there must be something more to it because otherwise it wouldn't be being received as rapturously as it is. Um, but for whatever reason, I can't seem to get into why that is. I just can't sort of find the through line to it. There's bits and pieces that I really like and really enjoy. There's a really cool drone that's used throughout Kvithjort. I'm 
I don't know why I'm even trying to pronounce these names. Bless sort you. Of, uh, <laughs> sort of undulates below the percussion and the other voices that come in. And like, I really like that. It sounds almost quite hypnotic and like a wave. I think the last song, I can't remember the name of it now. And even if I did, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it anyway. But it's 10 minutes long and it's a hell of an epic, which goes through quite lots of different phases and stuff. I think it's called And Ivar Jold. I'm glad you attempted it. Um, Give it a go, you know. I mean, will I go back to this? Probably not, to be honest. I've been try. I've been. I've really been trying with it because I. I want to see what other people see, but I don't know if I will ever see it. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I just can't imagine a world in which I would listen to this. I would, you know. But then, I mean, the thing is, is that. I remember the first time I heard Deicide and I thought, I will never listen to this. So I don't really want to say that, mm. you know, but I might just be so far behind or, you know, the people who are into Vordruna might be so far ahead of the curve that they get it now and it might take the rest of the world. I would imagine most people, when you take the entire world <laughs> as most people, I'd imagine most people would probably listen to this and go, eh? most people maybe i mean it's it's um having said that it's a style of music that has um been around for li literally centuries isn't it so yeah 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 but it's i mean yeah, it's incredible like that it's incredibly niche i mean it's niche for metal let alone which is niche in itself if you go up to somebody who's likes bruno mars and put this on go oh, what do you reckon of this they're not going to go, oh, I really like this, are they? You know what I mean? So when no. you take the whole, when I, take, I mean, I'm literally talking about the whole world. I think most people would be very, very confused by the idea that there are this, there's this kind of Norwegian band making this really old school pixie-esque Viking elfin music. <laughs> but yeah, probably, probably, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, th this is very definitely for people who are, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know because I was kind of hoping this would be something which would be like a, a good gateway into this stuff for me to understand it a bit more because I was aware of how critically adored they were. Same. Yeah, I, 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 yet, I was hoping it would be a gateway. And yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like it is at all. I, I really, it's something that it's it's not alien like it sounds like it's alienated you slightly and i wouldn't say it's alienated me and if i was given another orduna album i would definitely listen to it and see if that would be a gateway but yeah but it didn't provide that path into it that i was hoping for or wanted so yeah sorry guys sorry for those of you who've tuned in just to hear us echo and chorus in the love for Vordruna I don't I, I just there's not many things where I'm like I'm out do you know what I mean where I'm just fully like I don't even know where to start with this but I have to say Vordruna they feel like one of those things where I'm like I just I just will never understand this I don't think mm. unfortunately um ask Jonathan at Metal Hammer he'll tell you maybe we should bring him on and uh ask him about Vordruna will be a long old show that yeah. I'll tell you so let's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called Gvitraven. It's by Vordruna and it is out now. Right, let's move on to an album which came out, I think, two weeks ago. Viagra Boys. 
is the band Welfare Jazz is the name of the album. It's the second album from the Swedish post-punk band, the follow-up to 2018's Streetworms. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not really familiar with this band, but I have seen quite a few of our listeners contact us and get very, very excited about us doing this record. And once I'd listened to it, I could sort of see why, because it is a record that is very much catered towards my personal taste. Everything that I've just said about Vordruna, you can flip that on its head with Viagra Boys and go, this is specifically the sort of thing that you, Stephen Hill, like to listen to a lot. I completely understood why we got lots of people contacting us um, to cover this Mm. record. It, It feels very us, more you than me, but yeah, it feels very Riot Act. Um, special shout out to Josh Gray, um, who, who brought this record to me, I think a week before it came out and I was quite keen to cover it then, but we'd already had everything, uh, planned out. So I decided to sit on it for a bit. Um, but yeah, Stockholm based post-punk band on their second album. Um, but there's a bit more to it. It has a lot of the kind of social commentary and stuff that like idols Mm -hmm. do and things like that. There's a bit more to it than simply just post-punk though, isn't there? I'd say definitely yeah definitely I mean it kicks off with the first song I Ain't Nice and it's got that kind of Euro Turbo Negro style slacker thing to it whilst also having that electro um, kind of cool feeling that I mean that Turbo Negro are cool Soul Wax are cool yeah. It's kind of like a gruff version of Soul Wax. It's got a really song. fuzzy bass tone in mm. that song. And um, rubbing up against the uh, the saxophone and the mm. bits of brass that come in. I mean, the bits of brass that come in throughout this record are just great, but it vaguely recalls the likes of the Stranglers and stuff like that. A kind of chaotic sound mixed with this black dub kind of... Um, lackadaisical kind of quality but then at the same time in sebastian murphy you've got this front man who embodies this deranged unkempt front person role very well like a a haggard old homeless person or something like that um pitchfork said he's got the wanton vocal presence of a man who's never flossed um (laughs) how you convey that through sound alone i don't know but murphy somehow manages to do it you know like Mm. he sounds like a rambling homeless drunk you do get the sense that his breath probably doesn't smell that nice um no offense (laughs) sebastian murphy Um, but i think he embodies that really really well that kind of almost maniacal early nick cave kind of tortured soul role yeah there's a song well there's that i mean to touch on both of those things the the abstract saxophone very incredibly reminiscent i think of stooges side two of funhouse by the stooges which i think is a massive massive influence well we've already spoken about how influence influential new york dolls was i think you can hear a, a lot of that and a lot of that stooges in this and i've put um tom waits impersonating elvis moaning (laughs) <laughs> is what I've put down here. So it's like if Elvis was annoyed and you said to Tom Waits, do Elvis sounding annoyed, this is kind of what I think he'd do. Um, uh, I mean, this is super interesting. I mean, there's a song, like I say, Toad, which is track three. Um, and I love the Mellotron at the start of that song. It's weird because that particular song, and there are moments peppered throughout this album, which I think this is a good album. I think it's a very, very good album. I think 
there are times where it occasionally flatters to deceive a little bit. Like I think everything about it on its own, it sounds great, but it's not necessarily always a great song. How do you oh, feel about that, Remfrey? That's interesting. Flatters to deceive. I've not heard that mm. phrase before. I like that. Um, yes. Uh, it, ha- it, it had not occurred to me until 20 seconds ago when you mentioned it. But yes, now that you say that, I can see what you're saying. Do you have specific examples? Well, um, yes, that song Toad. I think, like I say, there is plenty of individual parts that sound really wicked. But I don't, again, like I'm not, I don't necessarily think that it's actually a great song. I don't, um, I don't feel like I need Secret Canine Agent. I don't think that's a great song. No, although, but again, how the, the jazz flute in that. Yeah. There's that kind yeah. of like <laughs> yeah. flute and it's like, that's amazing. Yeah. And if you were just going like, oh, I've, they're, they're putting this kind of, you know, Ron Burgundy flute in this song. <laughs> um amazing it's just like punk song that's great and it's like you know like a minute and a half long wow yeah. what a really cool idea that's really really excellent but yeah you're right is it actually a good song yeah is it actually a really engaged like a, a really great song i don't think it's a great song i think it sounds really really cool mm. i think the first time you hear it your ears prick up and you go hmm what an interesting choice wow that's really good oh they're very uh unique sounding oh they're very sort of experimental and you know great um there's a song in it called i feel alive which i think again the dub bass line on that is amazing but in terms of when you get to the end of it you're like sort of sounds like a beck b-side mm. you know mm. it's not mm. quite as good saying that i think there's enough on this record that is good um that make it overall a, a, a very very enjoyable listen I mean, I just mentioned Beck. For me, the best Beck album is Midnight Vultures. Fuck you. Yes, it is. Before you're going like, what, what, what? It is, all right? It is. And um, on the song Into the Sun, there's a kind of stand-up double bass walk, this kind of plinky organ line, the white boy funk, one of my favourite songs on the record. And that really, that really reminded me of, you know, Beck trying to be Prince on Midnight Vultures, mm. which I absolutely love creatures is great as well i think it's got kind of i like trains meets soul wax it almost i've actually put it's the bravery with woodwind as well and that doesn't really sound (laughs) like it would be a a compliment no um there's a there's a song called six shooter on it as well which now this is where i went ah it's it's got a lot of kind of dose your dreams-esque vibe to it now Six Shooter, Rocky Horror meets Public Image Limited, which is fucking fantastic. Mm. And I think when you put it up against an album, which, uh, you know, long time listeners will know is one of my, has become become like legitimately one of my favourite records ever made. I think that I still will never back down on how fucking incredible that record is. Um, I think you listen to that and you go, oh yeah, like, you know, it's got a bit of that to it. But I think throughout fucked up were writing a star songs mm. on that record from beginning to end and i think there are a few a star songs in this record mm. there are a few really good ideas that aren't necessarily they're kind of b minuses b's um but still makes it a good record overall um 
I mean, it's just a cool idea. That kind of noy can robot rock with this discordant brass and saxophone. That's a fucking great idea. Yeah, I can totally see the comparisons to fucked up. I mean, essentially, you're saying, and it won't be any surprise to say, the quality isn't as high on this record mm. throughout, but it does have its moments. I think Six Shoots is one of them. Um, I really like Ain't Nice as well, and you already mentioned Creatures, but Creatures is probably another favourite of mine. Yeah. Last couple of songs have this sort of weird faux country and western vibe to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you make of that? To the country, I think is is great. It's about as slight as they get on the record. Yeah. Um, it almost feels like a ballad, and that kind of single piano again taking one singular element from the record that little piano ding ding mm. ding is awesome and i think the the idea of like it's about going to live in the country with no drugs and living with dogs and it's actually it's quite a sweet song it's quite a sweet song and it ends with in spite of ourselves which is the longest um song on the record i thought there's there's a, there's a bit at the start where he says she don't like eggs which i thought might be a nod to she don't like jelly by the flaming lips it's almost so, sung in a in a in a similar way um and it's i mean i've put it's like a melted country song it's quite a unique mm. way to end the record it's like a sort of johnny and june carter cash ballad being done out of tune and off key talking about ketchup and scrambled eggs and it's weird enough again is it a great song i don't think it's a great song but it's weird enough to keep my attention it, it definitely keeps my attention and i'm glad that those last couple of songs are quite different i mean it does when it started i thought i knew what we were gonna get before the record was finished and then it went into different directions which i was not expecting at all which i admire it hugely for it's 40 minutes and 14 seconds and i mean <laughs> it's the shortest record we've covered of the week so far it's also by far the most dynamic mm. by far. i mean you think that's that's not quite um half the length of the smashing pumpkins record but it's not far off and yet it does 20 30 times more stuff easily. than the smashing pumpkins record easily. does easily i like this this is a wicked little record really unique quite sexy good fun time and yeah it speaks about um some cool things as well so i i, I like this a lot um i don't know that i mean god <laughs> there's just the dirty nil on their own at the moment in terms of my albums of the year so far. Uh, and I don't even know if that will be there come, you know, December time, but I don't know if this is enough to get me, um, to get into my top. I mean, Lord only knows what kind of, I tell you what, here's what I would say. If this is in my top 20 come the end of the year, I think we've had a significantly less good year than we had in 2020 for music. Yeah, and that's 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 not a not meant as an insult to Viagra Boys, and it's not meant as an insult to this record because I think this record's really good, but I think it is a record full of really fucking wonderful ideas that is often executed um, and pulled off with the same. You know, they they often they often match their target, mm. but it's not it's not a hundred percent of the time they do. I think if we got them firing all cylinders this is their second record i've not heard streetworm so i don't know if it's similar or this this is a big jump or whatever but if they can get that right on their third record you could be looking at a proper worldie mm. 
yeah, I think they need. I think they need. To, they've got a really interesting sound to them. I think they need to concentrate on writing great songs, and they are capable of it, as this record shows. Around about half the time, but the other half the time, it's a little meandering. Sounds wrong, but I mean, there's these sort of one minute odd songs or thirty second songs where um, Sebastian Murphy does these kind of monologues, which are sort of faintly amusing but i don't think they're really needed you know cowboy ambience i called it <laughs> yeah yeah um it just wasn't strictly i it was interesting enough on the first system but i didn't really need to hear it like by the sixth i was like yeah i just don't really mm. need that you know mm. and if you take yeah, that, true if you take those out it makes it like 36 minutes like, it's really becoming a very slight record then um but, um, you know, yeah, it's really interesting. It's more for you than it is for me. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I'll return to it or not, but I definitely think it's one of the better examples of this kind of thing. I mean, I certainly prefer it to say Sleaford Mods or, mm. you know, that sort of thing. Um, what was that other really big band who charted last year? Fontaine's DC. You know, oh, I right, prefer yeah. it to that person. I, I, it's similar to, Fonda, for, to Fontaine's DC to me, actually. It was in that there are... Th- three or four songs on that Fontaine's DC album, which I think are amazing. And I've continued to listen to, but I don't listen to the album in full. I think Viagra boys, there's probably more songs on this, which I will go back to. There definitely are a few that I will go back to. Like I, I will definitely go back to ain't nice. I will definitely go back to creatures, six shooter, um, to the country, probably girls and boys. I reckon are probably, we carry on listening to like there's, there's, there's enough, on this record that I reckon I still want to listen to. There's enough of this record that would probably make me just put it on as a record and listen to in full. But there's, there's probably more that I will just pick out sort of six, seven songs from it. Mm. Um, And out of 13, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. All right, there you go. Welfare jazz by Viagra boys. I nearly said welfare boys by Viagra jazz. (laughs) This is not that what they're called at all. Silly me. Oh, um, Viagra that's Jazz. Out now. It's my favourite new drug on the scene. <laughs> Viagra Jazz. Let's get to our last album of the week. It comes from Lonely the Brave. The album is called The Hope List. It's the third album from the Cambridge-based post-emo, post-hardcore alternative rockers. The first album since 2016's Things Will Matter. Uh, let's go way back to the start of, well, not even the start, but quite into a little bit into the last decade. Back when I reviewed my first download festival for Metal Hammer in 2013, I want to say, they were playing the third stage, which I was reviewing all day. And I thought, having not even heard of them before, they had something really quite unique about them. They sounded really, really great. And they reminded me of a lot of bands from the sort of mid-90s emo scene that I liked. Sensefield, Text is the Reason, that kind of thing. Um, And the unique thing, I think mainly it was the kind of the cripplingly shy stage presence of their then frontman, David Jakes, who had a really beautiful pitch to his voice, a really soulful voice, but just couldn't look the audience in the eye. And sort of stood on a podium at the back of the stage, looking at the floor, and it, not only did I think they were a really kind of interesting band because at that point, particularly in 2013, emo had been, you know, desecrated down to, you know, bats and eyeliner and 
all that kind of shit. And so I liked hearing a band who reminded me of, you know, the kind of the um, more 90s. Yeah, the Sunny Day Real Estates and the, you know, the kind of J Tree record things. Um, But I also thought, well, what is obviously a very, very honest uh, performance from that guy because he's not even attempting to hide the fact that he's massively uncomfortable in front of loads and loads of people. Hmm. So I sort of thought, well, they're the real deal at least you know they are the real deal um and when their album their debut album came out in 2014 the day's war i was on um i was on team up radio and we played Backroads. i think it was was the single the first single that came out of it and i thought it was a great song really 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 good and um it sort of looked like they were going to be a pretty big deal there and then a, it didn't really happen did it there was a lot of hype around lonely the brave especially around um their first album 2014's days war as you've already mentioned um i saw them probably around that time as well support a band at the scala i can't remember who the band was um and yes i found i think the thing is is all... Marmosets, wasn't it? No, no I don't think. Okay, it was I think they did. I think they did some sort of co-headline thing with Marmosets, and that was the point where people went, "Oh dear, okay, oh, that's going to be difficult for you to follow that." Yeah, I, I don't I, like. It's really difficult when you're pointing out one single figure who was obviously very, very uncomfortable on stage anyway, and actually we should also say isn't in the band anymore either. Mm. Um, but I think. Um, it was so uncomfortable watching this man be as uncomfortable as he was that that was the over overarching feeling and sense like i don't remember the music all that much when i pressed play on this album promo i was like oh yeah okay i vaguely recall this kind of thing that they were doing seven eight years ago um but the thing that I remembered was this inc- was feeling incredibly awkward throughout their entire set because there was a person on stage who clearly wasn't comfortable being up there. And I'm sure that's not what they would want people to remember. But I thought if that's the only thing that I can really recall from this gig, then I don't think it was all that inspiring, particularly in terms of the stuff that they were putting out. Some people fucking loved them though. Like I got, I, I remember being at the Indy at the time, getting a lot of people asking me if I'd cover Lonely the Brave and I was just never really interested enough, to be honest, to do it. Um, but yeah, people who liked them really, really, really liked them. Uh, anyway, they have a new singer now. He's called Jack Bennett. He sounds a fair bit like Charlie Simpson, I think. Um, which, <laughs> which isn't as i actually don't mind charlie simpson's voice i don't have an issue with it i think it's actually quite good but you know i i i was like it sounds quite a lot like charlie simpson i I I did not clock that that in any way whatsoever but yeah probably maybe um i think on paper lonely the brave has some really strong qualities to them they're writing melodic rock songs which not a lot of people are doing to a very high standard at the moment we often um when we do find bands like that we usually treasure them quite a lot the ones who are doing like sung melodies to rock just making rock anthems you know and i think they're mm. trying to do that um it's this record it sounded like bloody johnny vaughan then on virgin radio rock anthems and <laughs> rock song melodic <laughs> rock songs um record is produced by will yip who is has he's produced some of my favorite albums of the last few years 
Code Orange, Menzingers, Me Without You, Turnstile, Pianos Become the Teeth. Like he's got this amazing, really big, sumptuous sound. I think this record sounds great. I think it has a grand scope and a wild ambition. Um, the songs have an anthemic quality to them. Uh, it feels like the entire range of bass, mids and trebles is filled out. It sounds big. It's got some cool atmospherics. Uh, there's some cool Sigarose-esque bowed strings played on the second track, Distant Light. Can you feel a butt coming up? You're going to say it's fine. It just doesn't excite me at all. It all feels a bit safe. It's so safe, this record. Not in a kind of you, me at six way, because that's safe and dull. I wouldn't say this is dull, I just don't think it's very exciting either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree, to be perfectly honest. Um, They're doing a I really... Don't really uh, yeah, on. I mean, it, it is fine. And it just sort of starts as well. Yeah, You know, it comes in, here it is. It's melodic rock for some nice guys. It's here. It's happening. The first song, Bound, <laughs> is actually a pretty good song. And I think, like, if I'm going to try and review to what's good and what's bad about it i mean i feel like they're a bit better at the slightly more delicate and downbeat stuff there's a sock on it a song a sock on it there's a song on it which is called the hopeless which i really like it's the title track because it's quite a, quite a compelling yeah that's it of course um it's got a compelling hook um heavy heavy hearts good as well and that's a bit more downbeat mm -hmm. but overall like yeah um it's funny you mentioned Yumi at six because I've got Yumi at six in my notes and I've sort of said they aren't really a million miles away from a band like Yumi at six. And I think it's kind of a shame that because that stuff exists, you can fly so so close to that, even though I don't really think they are, a, they're not a band like Yumi at six, but they fly close enough to that quite perfunctory, rudimentary melodic rock without anything that spectacular going on they're definitely a, they've got more soul and they're, they're much much more real band i feel like a much more genuine band than you me at six i think but, they're far more interesting musically than you me at six as well to be fair yeah they yeah they are yeah i mean yeah. i mean another band that's i think like far more i think they're more i think they're just better and i just think they they come they it feels but I'm not sure. I mean, again, I'm like, no, I, not that I said this about Viagra Boys at all, but I'm not like, are they that good songwriters? Are they that good at song at writing songs? I don't think the quality of the songwriting is amazing, but I think the types of things that they're trying to do are far more interesting than Yumi at Six. Mm -hmm. And for that, I, yeah, I would say far more. Yeah, well, Yumi at Six strike me as a <clears throat> very cynical band. Yeah, and Lonely the Babe don't strike me as cynical at all. Yeah, this is not cynical, sort of soulless, designed to go on the radio, on the radiator, on the radio music. I'd like to put a load of Yumi at six albums <laughs> on the radiator and watch them just melt. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I when you get an album like it's because the Gold Key album that we raved about last mm. year, yeah, you know, like feels like the standard that, for this stuff. Yeah, and it, it, I, I can't, you can't exactly point out, because oddly, those three, like, Lonely the Brave sort of sit in the middle of Gold Key and Yumi at six, I think. 
Yes. Because they are a proper band. They are a band who I wouldn't question the integrity of them or the reason why they make music or how they write their music. And I don't think it's cynically designed for people. Um, but I do think they have to have a bit more that is interesting. I mean, you kind of interestingly made the point to me yesterday that this would be a good band who would open up more people to slightly more interesting music if they were covered in rock sound or something, uh, for example. Yeah, I, th- I think I think they could be a potentially good bridging band for that mm. kind of crew, let's say, who did listen to, say, Yumi at Six or something like that, and that were just wanting to like jump into something a bit more, uh, for want of a better word, mature or a bit more interesting. Yeah. Uh, but then you rightly pointed out on, in that same conversation that in our day, that band were 100 Reasons who yeah. were great songwriters um yeah. i don't think lonely the brave are great songwriters i think they can put a tune together mm. and they sound good um but i don't think they're brilliant in that same same way there was a lot of this a lot of this album reminded me of like diet thrice or thrice yeah like. i think i think the thing <clears throat> with with bands like this is you to get them right i mean to get that that sort of thing really right you either have to 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 make a hook which is so hugely inescapable that it just sucks you in from whatever you're doing straight away or you need to do something which is unusual enough where you go oh they're making this you know the 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 journey that it takes you on at least takes you to the highs and the lows need to be much further apart yeah. from each other than, than 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 this is again the gold key album when you get those you know muse style freakouts over these the soaring high pitch vocal parts and you're like oh my god it's kind of shamanic wagnerisms but on an electric guitar like amazing but then they have a heavy part and then they have a a really really delicate kind of slow quiet part as well and it just feels like all the variables are are, are pulled as far apart from each other as possible whereas this again it just kind of goes along and occasionally you'll notice it it's quite an and that sounds really like a really shitty thing to say but there are points when i was reviewing this where i was like or when i was listening to it and I had to actually remind myself to notice that it was on. <laughs> that sounds really damning, but it does yeah. sound really damning. I don't kind of ma- mean it to be because it's like music like that music that you put on in the background and just sounds nice while it's on in the background yeah. can be really nice. It's not I an unpleasant listen is, at all. There's yeah, nothing unpleasant yeah. about this record in the slightest. I just don't particularly want that when I'm listening to a sort of alternative rock band. I just think there's so many more examples that are better than it. Um, but that said, you know, they do have their fans. And another band that they really remind me, or another album in particular, was that debut Holding Absence album. And they remind me of them because I think they sit in a similar sonic palette. I think they have a similarly kind of small but dedicated, like really dedicated fan base who just fucking love them and will like follow them on tour and all this kind of stuff. Um, And yet, you know, I thought the Holding Absence album had bits that were good 
on it. I think we both really, really enjoyed that last song and said that they should go very much in that direction for the second album. Mm -hmm. That's coming out in a month or two, so we'll find out if they did or not. Um, But yeah, this album reminded me of Holding Absence a lot in that I wasn't too fussed with it, but then I know I would talk to some people who were like, this is my album of the year, you know. I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... (laughs) I, I don't know what those people are hearing particularly if they listen to like three albums but, um, <laughs> I don't know I don't know I mean I, yeah. yeah I don't I don't mind that holding absence record I think it's fine but like yeah again I think this is fine it's fine it's fine isn't it there's nothing excited about it it's just safe it's just dull it's just it's fine wow you've gone and you've you've, you've up the ante there Renfrey a minute ago it was fine now it's safe and dull <laughs> I'd like to know if, if, if we do have people listening who really really love this band I'd love them to get in contact and explain why they're so attached to them. Like genuinely, I'd love I'd love to know because uh, I'd like to get it. I, I really like to embrace these bands who are doing melodic rock songs. You don't get a lot of it that much. No, no, days. you don't. No. And it, and, and well, it, I think the problem is 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 that the I think the problem is is that the bands that are doing it like too many of them are happy to just go oh, we've had the best like i'm not the i don't want to say the best because there might be somebody who's about to release the best version of this album ever made but like we've had so many versions of this that are so great already yeah that you i mean you mentioned thrice we've mentioned 100 reasons i know 100 reasons kind of went down the pan after that um yeah. that debut album came out but that debut album those songs are absolutely humongous yeah and i just you know i just need something more than uh, this is a decent kind of hummable song yep yeah anyway um good luck to them all the same lonely the brave got no beef with them whatsoever um the hope list is out now and that brings us to the end of the show so we'll see you next week. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about new releases from Stephen Wilson, Tribulation, Martin Gore, Martin fucking Gore, Except, and more. Uh, should be an interesting week, Renfrey. Mm. Um, also, should I mention... Absolutely, you should. Do you know what I'm going to mention? Because I was about... Our guest next week? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. We're going to be doing a, a crossover episode with Tom Dare from the Hellbent for Metal podcast. So it's going to be, if you're wondering why we're doing quite a metal week next week. It's very metal. Yeah. It's because of Tom. It's because of Tom. And we're looking forward to talking to Tom. He's never been on the show before. We've been trying to get him on for ages and ages and ages and ages. So that will be good. I also was going to mention Broken Records. You can tweet us. Because we want to bring back, we we haven't mentioned Broken Records for a little bit. We are bringing it back. Um, tweet us some. We need some more. We're going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. Probably not when Tom's on. Maybe the week after. But that is coming back. Hopefully, very very soon in a completely different format. Mm-hmm. That I will say. Um, do tweet us and suggest some more records that you would like us to cover on Broken Records that you think are rubbish or that have been critically panned or have been you know i've got an interesting story about why yeah. they're not very good because i think that's the primary thing an interesting story yeah. about why they're not very good is the primary yeah. thing that we need that's to the one all right cool anyway we'll be back next week go to signaturebrew.co.uk put right act in the checkout and you'll get 10 percent off 
all of their lovely, delicious beverages, and you get a little picture of Matt from Hacker Cat come through the post as well. Can't Bro. say fairer than that, can you? And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, my sugar's out on Monday over on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast, very, very soon. So enjoy that in the interim. See you later, everybody.